Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I love our, our young guys, their commitment, uh, where they study the game, you know, the willingness to learn. Uh, I was telling LeBron the other day, we were on a plane, and I've never seen damn near 12 guys watching film you know, as a team. I haven't seen that many guys combined in the last four or five seasons I've played on the team. So that uh, was very refreshing to see and understanding that you know, this team is committed. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the next time you see LeBron James hop on to any sort of stage to talk about pick and rolls, it won't be with Drake and Travis Scott to rap about him. It'll be with B.I. and Kuz on a basketball court, literally running it with them to absolute perfection. Because we are finally here, NBA opening week, the start of the hashtag LABron Showtime era, and officially time to begin the King's Conquest of the West as he mandates his own form of basketball manifest destiny and we are just as accordingly lit and turned up as lebron was this past weekend when drake invited him up onto the stage to get the la crowd hyped up because we know he'll be doing exactly that on the basketball court for us in just a few days in games that will actually matter i'm your host jonathan hernandez and i am unfortunately not joined by my typical co-host tommy alexander and Alan Riley, as our schedules just simply couldn't align this week to record a show prior to the Lakers' first game. But I do have a special guest on with me tonight to ensure that I do not talk myself into oblivion. So tonight, I am pleased to bring on one of my childhood best friends since middle school, the dude who got me into sports, basketball, and Lakers fandom in general in the first place when I was in sixth grade witnessing the formation of the Kobe Shaq Lakers dynasty. So if you enjoy the show or consider me likable to a lesser extent, you have him to thank. 
Also, he's someone who's allowed me to go to about 60 to 70 Lakers games for free throughout the last 19 years of our friendship. So uh, with that said, I present to you now, fresh off of putting his one and a half year old son to bed, Andy Chang. Andy, you just put your son Nolan to bed, but uh, how are you doing? Just jumping into this uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, this is, uh, this is pretty cool. I'm uh, honored to be on your special show as a substitute guest. So, should be fun. You're on a you're on the podcast equivalent of a ten day contract. We'll see how you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm gonna make it to that second second ten day, but I think I'll be okay. All right. So, Andy, you don't have any real active social media accounts. Andy doesn't even have a Facebook account or an Instagram account outside of uh, well, an, an Instagram account for your son Nolan. Did you want to plug Nolan's Instagram or any secret social handles that you have that you'd like to now unveil to the public? No, no, I'd rather keep my son in privacy. Thank you. (laughs) What about any new McDonald's promotions you want to hype up or plug? Since you are a McDonald's mogul, not sure if that's the right term to use, but I'll I'll just use that and keep it vague like that. Yes, uh, McRib is coming back this year. Had many questions about that. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Monopoly is not. Uh, Yeah, we replaced that with that trick treat win game currently going on. So yeah, get uh, get your large fries, your McCafe drinks, and your Egg McMuffins so you can win instant prizes. Yeah, yeah. I guess for tonight, this show is unofficially sponsored by McDonald's via Andy. So we are Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. big time. <laughs> We're loving it. We are big time now, clearly. Um, you know, ironically, even though Andy has no apparent social media trace of him anywhere on the web, if you dig deep enough, there are tons of questionably embarrassing videos of him and me during our high school and college days on YouTube, as we like to dabble in music video parodying and sketch creating video production back then. So good luck finding that stuff. And congratulations if you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but more relevant to the topic at hand and maybe why you should pay closer attention to Andy's um, astute observations tonight and regard him as more than just a casual fan is the fact that Andy and his family have been Lakers season ticket holders for, what, like 25 plus years or so? For longer than I've been living, yeah. My dad has had them for, I believe, 40-ish years. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, So pretty much all of Andy's life, as he can recollect it. Um, And obviously, I have been a primary beneficiary of that, as I've probably averaged around three to four games a season, just tagging along with Andy and his family as an extra plus one whenever someone couldn't make it. Um, But typically, and Andy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the way Andy's season tickets break down or have worked in the past is he splits the 41 Lakers home games with several other families. And you guys do this lottery drawing of sorts to pick which games uh, you'd inevitably like to go to, and it goes in a snake draft-like fashion. So this year of all years, Andy and his family only had to split the tickets between one other family. So I think you'll be going to, what, 20 games this season? Yeah, give or take. So it's 20 plus, uh, we split the last game, so 20 and a half. <laughs> mm, I split the last yeah. game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so Andy, you guys had the number two pick this year in terms of Lakers game selections. Can you let us know what went into your calculus for what game you inevitably chose with the number two pick and what that selection ended up being? Right, right. So it was a very um, stressful time. We had to get in the big draft boardroom and uh, me and my dad printed out a Lakers schedule uh, analyzed all the games and prioritized which ones we'd like to see 
um, you know, first. So on the big board, of course, we had Boston in the East and mm-hmm. Golden State in the West. So with Golden State, obviously, we played them twice. Boston only once. With the second pick, we didn't want to get locked down with only one of the three games. So we rolled the dice, hoping that the first uh, the first pick would be Golden State, and they would not have to select Golden State twice because that would just be redundant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the the lottery balls fell our way. We picked Boston second, and we ended up with uh, Golden State fourth pick. Oh, wow. Wait, what was the third pick? OKC? It was uh, Houston, Houston opening night. Yeah. So you ended up getting the Golden State game anyways. Well, that's awesome. We did. And I, I would have picked Boston through and through either way, even if I had the number one pick. But that's just me because of the rivalry, because of the young core that Boston has versus our young core, LeBron, Kyrie, all that good stuff. But uh, I'm glad you got that game regardless. So yeah, Andy is one of the most knowledgeable people I know in the area of sports, not just specifically the Lakers. So I'm glad to have him on tonight to do a fun Lakers season preview and predictions episode before the Lakers play their season opener versus Portland on Thursday night. Before we get to that, though, as usual, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times Lakers goat Isaac Bonga will take the Lakers third string unit and proceed to handily beat the Lakers starting unit in practice scrimmages and then call out LeBron James and the rest of the young core for being soft and not being able to win anything without him. Because Jimmy (laughs) Butler ain't got nothing on Mr. Isaac Bonga, whose greatness will be underestimated no longer. Isn't that right, Andy? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Most definitely. All right, so please rate and review us on iTunes and also consider donating to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. All right, let's quickly go through some Lakers news before we get ahead and dive into our predictions. Um, Andy, as you know, the Lakers have an open roster spot. The Lakers also cut Jonathan Williams from their team. I thought he played pretty well in the preseason and in summer league, arguably played better than Ivica Zubats, but them cutting another viable big man options kind of questionable and maybe it lends itself to wondering whether the Lakers will opened up that roster spot or I mean it's, it was already open but clearly they're not going to be using it on Jonathan Williams so over the last few days teams have had to make moves to cut the roster down to 15 guaranteed spots and we've been seeing a lot of cuts and waves and more specifically to the Lakers some cuts to some big men who may or may not be serviceable to them in the spots minutes off the bench um, variety, but here are some names that got waived. Uh, Joakim Noah from the Knicks, uh, Tyler Zeller, Lavoy Allen, I know these are some hot names, uh, former Laker Thomas Robinson, the Clippers just traded for Alexis Ajinsa from the New Orleans Pelicans, I think they traded away Wesley Johnson, but they're reportedly intending to cut Alexis Ajinsa and his seven foot three, seven foot six, whatever wingspan he has, um, and then also there was some rumors that because the Phoenix Suns signed Jamal Crawford, that they would have had to make three cuts, and one of their cuts might have been former Philly center Rashawn Holmes because he was on a non-guaranteed contract. But unfortunately, that is not who they ended up cutting. So my dreams of having the athletic, versatile Rashawn Holmes on this team to run the floor uh, for like 12 minutes was dashed. Um, but Andy, given the names that are legitimately out there. Noah, Zeller, 
Lavoy Allen, Thomas, Thomas Robinson, or Alexis Agensa. Does anyone jump out as you as someone the Lakers should consider signing to help JaVale McGee and the traditional center light Lakers? Well, it's funny. I mean, we were talking about that on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I think you broke the news that Joakim was available. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. well, of course, we giggled and laughed like little girls. Um, but, uh, you know, we were discussing the past battles he and uh, LeBron had. And I think just based on the, the roster that we have now, it would be fitting to get a guy like that and, and put one of his old nemesis, um, you know, together now on the same team. But, you know, realistically, I don't really think that helps. I think uh, mm-hmm. for familiarity's sake, Thomas uh, Thomas Bryant, I think, is probably um, the best option out there. Oh, I love Thomas Bryant, but we waived him. You mean Thomas Robinson? <laughs> I mean Thomas Robinson, <laughs> yes. I mean, I agree with you. He, he is athletic. He can run the floor. He kind of fits what we're trying to do. I think in theory, Joakim Noah kind of fits if you want to harken back to those days in, in the playoffs when Joakim Noah was an actual good defensive player. And you can also think about the ways that Joakim Noah was also a good passer. But I don't know how much he has left in the tank. And to envision Joakim Noah, even in 10 minutes a game, running up and down the court with this fast-paced team, I don't think it's going to end well. So um, if we sign Joakim Noah, he will be there more as a mentor guy on the bench that won't actually play minutes. So I'm not sure how helpful that would actually be. And I don't know if we talked about this, but ironically, it's too bad that Andrew Bogut is now exclusively playing in Australia because I feel like he would have been helpful this year just as another big body to rough people up down low, rack up some additional fouls, and also just be the good mentor in the locker room. Um, So it seemed like we signed him one year too early, unfortunately. Um, Do you think that would be a good fit if we could somehow pry him away from Australia? Um, I, I I don't really... I, I see where your point is. I think, um, yeah, the the, men, the mentor approach would be great. Um, but like I said, I think we're we're trying to get that fast paced thing going with Thomas Robinson. I think he fits the mold. But um, yeah, I, I, it would be great to see Bogut back. I would love to see him, but I don't think they would bring him back. Yeah. So I think at this point, I'm with you. I'd rather sign someone like T-Rob or Tyler Zeller as a placeholder. Obviously, it would be a non-guaranteed placeholder. Um, And I think the Lakers will wait it out, see how things go. And I think they're going to try and see who gets bought out mid-season and right before the playoffs. So if Tyson Chandler eventually becomes available after the Phoenix Suns have allowed him to mentor DeAndre Ayton, I think he could potentially be a useful get for the Lakers. Not sure how fast he can still run, but at the end of the day, he's still 7-1 and can at least take up some space down there and relay some knowledge to the younger guys. So we'll see if that happens. And obviously, Dominguez high, Tyson Chandler's from um, L.A., Maybe that's another Joakim Noah angle, but I think he might have something left in the tank still. Um, all right. With that said, moving on. Andy, preseason wrapped up. Lonzo Ball returned uh, towards the end of last week. And although it took him about a half to shake off the rust, by the end of two wins versus Golden State, the Lonzo Ball effect was on full display, even without LeBron. Um do you have any thoughts on Lonzo Ball's return and I guess just what dynamic he brings to the court for the Lakers this season? Also, as someone who's who's owned him last year in fantasy basketball, but all, also obviously just as a fan of the team. Um, and should he start sooner rather than later? Do you think it will matter? So I think he should start sooner rather than later, and I think he and he will end up su- uh, starting sooner rather than later. 
I think just based on our, our schedule, uh, I think we discussed it earlier. We're playing a pretty rough, like, first 20 games, right? Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably be somewhere around the 500 mark. So I think once Rondo is either injured or we reach that 500 mark after 20 games, Walton might throw him in there thinking, uh, you know, this is the best time to either live or die. So what do you think about the dynamic that he he brings to the Lakers, even if it's just what you saw for a little bit in preseason or just how you feel he's going to change them defensively, offensively in general? So just based on the, the small sample size of the preseason, I am very impressed by his, uh, his muscle that he put on over the summer. And I think it will go a long ways. Um, and that'll go into, um, you know, something that we discuss later about my bold <laughs> prediction. Oh. Uh, but, Spoiler alert. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think he'll start off well as a, as a bench guy. And then that's, that'll kind of also be a reason why, um, you know, Luke would want to put him into the starting role. I think, um, you know, LeBron is kind of an advocate for him, even though he has a close relationship with Rondo. I feel like he still knows that Lonzo is the face of the franchise. So, um, with that said, I think Lonzo does still have a huge effect on the how the team does especially in the future but this season i don't see him growing that much uh especially with rondo there uh once rondo's gone i think you'll you'll see the the true effect that rondo's had on lonzo's skill especially you know mentally sure um yeah i think for me even in just the one and a half or two games that we've seen him play in the preseason, I thought he's been awesome. And I feel like he's really affected the game on the defensive end and brought havoc on that end, which has allowed the team even more opportunities to leak out. I think he pushes the pace in a different sort of way than Rondo um, in terms of just getting the ball out ahead um, without necessarily dribbling the ball. Um, And I think what Lonzo does best is create havoc in a controlled manner, if that makes sense. It's controlled chaos whenever Lonzo Ball is on the floor. And you feel that on the defensive end, and you feel that when he runs the court, or when he runs the offense in transition and in the half court. Um, On offense, and obviously a lot of the things that Lonzo Ball does does not necessarily translate to the box score, and sometimes his contributions aren't quantifiable. And so you can get into some murky waters there when you try and describe what he, how good he is to other people. Um, And I know Lakers fans have trouble with that, uh, with regards to explaining what exactly he does well when, you know, opposing fans will look at the, what, 35% from the field, 45% from the free throw strike and say, what can this guy do? Um, but I think if you actually watch the games closely, and as Lakers fans we do, whenever Lonzo Ball is on the court, somehow he just finds a way to put everyone in their rightful place. And and I mentioned that his contributions aren't quantifiable, but actually he always rates very highly in net rating, which means whenever he's on the court, the team is doing better, um, both offensively and defensively, which I think is um, not the end-all be-all in terms of how good Lonzo Ball is, but it, it does say something that whenever he's on the court, everybody seems to play their role to the best of their abilities. And And again, I think yeah, and everybody seems to play better and is more confident when he's on the floor. And he just seems to, even if it seems like they're chickens with their heads cut off, when Lonzo Ball's there, it seems like they're doing so in a more controlled and fundamental manner, methodical manner. As as methodical as you can get with as frenetic, jumpy, and fast that, as the Lakers are playing with Lonzo Ball on the court. So 
I really like what I've seen from him in the preseason. He's shown off some of his strength. I think that should help him be more assertive and confident finishing the ball whenever he drives to the basket this season instead of just kind of weakly flailing his arms and hoping for a foul. So very encouraging signs from Lonzo Ball as we head into the regular season. Um, Today, during the Lakers practice, it seemed like Luke Walton said that the starting lineup for now is Rondo, KCP, BI, LeBron, JaVale, which is, I think, what we all expected. And then the bench unit is going to be Lonzo, Josh Hart, Lance Stevenson, Kyle Kuzma, and Michael Beasley or Zubats, um, which I think is a very interesting bench lineup. Very has a lot of potential for being fun and frenetic and dynamic, but it could also just be an entire mess and crap show. But with Lonzo there, I think he may be able to knit that group together and create some beautiful fireworks instead of a nuclear explosive mess. But uh, before we move on, Andy, what are your thoughts on that weird kind of quirky bench unit of Lonzo, Hart, Stevenson, Coos, and Bees? Yeah, I think it, I think it actually makes sense. Um, I like the Kuzma ball duo. Yes. That was, you know, great last year. So definitely want to keep those two guys together. And I think Hart can fit into any lineup. He he's really the the jack of all trades. So he'll fit in with the starters when he needs to. He'll fit in with the bench when he needs to as well. So the other two guys are kind of just throw ins that Lonzo's <laughs> gonna <laughs> throw lobs up to or whatever. Um so yeah, I like that second bench unit. Yeah, I think they have the potential to be, to really stir things up and be dynamic. And yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good scorers there. Like you mentioned, Kuzma, even in the two games that Lonzo came back, it seemed like Kuzma snapped back into place and was able Mm -hmm. to be himself, especially off ball. Um, So I like that dynamic. And I don't know, the the starting unit's kind of weird with Rondo, KCP. And LeBron, and obviously things will change, but for now, I am not going to panic over it yet. Like you said, we expect that shift to eventually happen, and I think it's just a matter of Luke Walton being a little more cautious in bringing Lonzo slowly back, even though as we saw him doing windmill dunks in practice or whatever, it seems like his knee is fine. But there's always, it's never a bad thing to be extra cautious, um, especially with Lonzo Ball, who is supposedly going to be your, you know, future point guard. Um, All right, with that said, Lakers record predictions and seeding and player stat predictions time should be fun. Um, So, Andy, let's start with the Lakers seeding and record. Um, ESPN came out with the rankings today and had the Lakers slotted fifth in the Western Conference behind Golden State, Houston, Utah, and OKC, which I think is pretty fair, actually, surprisingly so. Um, But before I ask you where you personally have us slotted and how many wins we're getting... I had us projected to win 33 wins last year. We ended up winning 35, so actually not bad. I will say, though, that we probably underperformed due to the injuries that we suffered. Um, So maybe we were even a better team than 35 wins. Who knows? So this year, I'm not sure where the line is now, but the Lakers opened up at 48.5 in terms of over-under on wins. And to give some context into what happened in the Western Conference last year, I think we already started to see a cannibalization of sorts because there are so many good teams in the West and even the bad teams aren't that bad. So from slots number three through eight, all those teams had around 47, 48, 49 wins. The number three team, Portland, had 49 wins. 
So that's a little context to last year. I think this year, even more so, we might end up seeing the same thing play out just because I think every team improved except for maybe the Sacramento Kings because they have a billion power forwards and centers. Um, I think even the Suns improved depending on how they they play their matchups and you know they want to make the playoffs. They're going to start Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. But I think even they improved. And so the Dallas Mavericks obviously improved with DeAndre Jordan, um, getting Luka Doncic, the Euro MJ. Um, so I think there's going to be even more cannibalization. But with that said, where do you have the Lakers slotted in the Western Conference? Um, how does your top eight look like? And then what, what record do you see the Lakers getting this year? Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it. And they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on. What are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. So obviously the elite too up in the top two spots, Golden State, Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have these mid-tier guys. So OKC, Portland, and Utah, right? Is that what you said? For ESPN's rankings, before the Lakers, they had Golden State, Houston, Utah, OKC, yeah. Right, okay. So I also have Denver ahead of us. So that slots us in right into number seven. Ooh. Yeah. What's your rationale between having those three teams ahead of us? And do you think it's closer? Oh, yeah, I think it's close. I think it'll be, like you said, last year, um, kind of everyone, final couple games is battling for the same, you know, five spots. Um, but I, I like Denver a lot this year. They look mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, and then, uh, you know, Timberwolves, I think Butler's going to be gone at some point. So. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking maybe they can fight for that eighth spot with uh, you know New Orleans and San Antonio, um, and then the rest are just kind of outside looking in. Gotcha. All right. And how many wins do you have the Lakers winning if they're at seventh? I'm gonna say 46. Oh, you're going under. Yes. Oh man, I did not expect this. Yeah, like you said, you know, everyone kind of got a little better. So I think the bottom feeders get, you know, more than 20 wins. So about 25 ish, but, you know, obviously that leaves less wins for the, the top tiers. Um, so th- those middle mid tier teams, I think they're all kind of around 44 to 48 
all around there. And we'll fall right into 46 if my magic ball is correct. Gotcha. Okay, so you're coming at this from a very rational <laughs> <laughs> approach. Is this the undersell, over-deliver take? <laughs> but um, I think for me, and this is going to sound super homery in comparison to what you just said, um, <laughs> but I have, and I have rationales for all of this, um, I have Golden State number one, Houston number two, um, OKC number three, but I'm starting to waver on this dependent on Westbrook's health because I don't think he's even going to play game one. He had surgery on his knee again, I believe, or, or some cleanup type of surgery. Roberson is already out for a couple months again, so they're not going to have him back. They get they did bolster their depth by getting Dennis Schroeder and uh, Nerlens Noel, but and obviously Paul George is back. Boo him. But... <laughs> It all rests on Westbrook's health at the end of the day. Um, No mellow helps, so I have them as a soft number three. And at number four, coming in at number four, I got the Lakers. (laughs) With a 50 and 32, and I'll I'll come back to my rationale on this. Number five, I have Utah. So where did you have Utah in your rankings? Um, I had them fifth. You had them fifth. Okay, so I I have them at fifth, too. I do think that they're in for some regression and a sophomore slump, not only as a team, but also for Donovan Mitchell, because all eyes are out on Donovan Mitchell now. Uh, Rubio, if you remember, is still a health concern, even though he was relatively healthy last year. So who knows, maybe we're back to a year where Rubio is not healthy. uh, So that won't help them out. I do think they're going to, they're great defensively. They're very well coached. They like to move the ball, et cetera, et cetera. But I think they're due for some regression. So that's why I have them fifth. I have Denver sixth. Um, they're very deep. They have a lot of versatile guys. Obviously, we saw in the preseason, they like to run up and down as much as we do. They've got better shooters than we do. If Isaiah Thomas returns and he's actually healthy, that's another added scoring punch off the bench. But I don't know. I just don't believe them. <laughs> I, I, don't th- I don't think they have... I know everybody's going to say Jokic and Jamal Murray, but I don't think they have that super one guy that can really push them over the edge like like we do in, in LeBron James. But with my... My pick on OKC kind of wavering at three, maybe that'll move Denver up. But for now, I have him sixth. Um, seventh, I have San Antonio. But I can you could easily flip-flop this with Portland at eighth. Um, it could go either way for me. I think San Antonio has been hit with such injury woes. They've got point guard depth problems. No DeJounte Murray for the year, unfortunately. Um, no Derek White for quite some time. So they're really doing a patchwork quilt kind of thing with their point guard situation. And then even though I think DeMar DeRozan is going to have an awesome year because I think he'll lay waste to whoever's in his path because he's so pissed off that um, Toronto traded him, I think it's going to take some time for even the Spurs to integrate him and them to kind of gel. So just given the injury problems and just the new team in general, no more Manu, no more Tony Parker, I think that's why I have the San Antonio Spurs slipping, uh, regardless of their amazing pedigree in terms of coaching and organization and all that. Um, number eight, I have Portland. Again, you may swap this with the Spurs. Um, so I listened to Bill Simmons' Over Under podcast. On he did an Over Under on every Lakers or on on every NBA team, and he thought it was bizarrely low, or he thought it was bizarre that the Blazers were slotted at forty two point five, and his rationale for that. He thinks that Vegas has that number so low because Vegas has Damian Lillard pegged as a trade candidate by the by the deadline and specifically in a trade with the Lakers for Lonzo Ball. 
<laughs> so, hmm, stroking my chin as I look at that. I don't know. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, we'll see how Portland fares. They were the three seed after a blistering hot end to their season last year. But there may be some turmoil or strife going on there. We don't know. And, yeah, if Damian Lillard gets traded at the at the deadline, then there's reason for that 42.5. But for now, I have them slotted at the eighth spot. Uh, and that, that leaves New Orleans Pelicans with no Rondo some positional battles with Randall and Miritich and some chemistry issues potentially, um, leaving New Orleans Pelicans on the outside looking in. I got Dallas on the outside looking in, even though I think they'll improve. Minnesota, too much turmoil with uh, the Jimmy Butler thing going on. Apparently he's going to play. And then Memphis, even though they are regaining a healthy or supposedly healthy Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, we have no idea how they're all going to gel and just like you drafted Jaron Jackson, you're hoping that he eventually gets all the minutes at the end of the day, and uh, oh, yeah. they they call it home. What's the phrase? Call they it phone it, phone it, call oh, it phone quits, now. phone phone it home. There you go. <laughs> I'm messing up all my idioms. Um, but yeah, so that's how I have it shaken out. A little way more optimistic than you, I guess, at, at number four. And here's my reason for the Lakers getting number four. You have the Lakers at what seventh? Six. Six. Okay. So. If LeBron is in the sixth or fifth seed... No, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Seventh. seventh. Which I'm not too shocked by. I could see us, you know, if, if things don't go according to plan and they don't gel as quickly as I anticipate, I could see them going six or seven. Um, I'm just going with the best case scenario because I think if the Lakers are in the vicinity of five, six, seven with a month left to go, I think obviously LeBron is very aware of their positioning. He's going to be... I, I feel like if we're that close to sniffing home court advantage, um, LeBron's just going to put the team on his back and carry us there, kick things into overdrive. And he's also obviously thinking about winning MVP this year. He hasn't done so since, I don't know, 2010, I believe. Mm, um, yeah. And then, you know, all the surrounding narratives of him taking a year off will be fresh in his mind. So he's got more than enough bulletin board material to work with this year. And I think if it comes down to us, I think it'll be a close race regardless. And if it's a close race, I think LeBron's the one guy who out of Denver, Utah, San Antonio, etc., who can really take the team on his back and say, we're winning this race and we're going to get home corner advantage no matter what. So um, even though I, I, I could foresee us being in that range, I think because of the LeBron factor, he'll help tip it over and push us over to the edge um, at the end of the day. So that's why I have us at fourth. But it wouldn't surprise me if we win 46 to 50 wins. I just have us at 50 and 32. Um, Amen. Let's do that. (laughs) All right, cool. With that said, we're going to close our show with Lakers player stats and predictions. So before we get into the actual stats, um, Andy, I want to go through just awards first. So, Who's your MVP for the Lakers this year? Obviously, you're going to say LeBron James, but if not LeBron, then who would it be? For me, it's Isaac Bonga because... No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so let's let's take LeBron out of the equation. Who would you be your MVP? Or another way to phrase this is who's the next most important player to the Lakers' success this year? If all goes well, B.I. will be our second MVP. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got to be the number two guy who the opposing teams have to respect every single game. So um, I'm going to be optimistic and say B.I. will be the second guy and um, hopefully can lead us to 50 wins. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you're saying. <laughs> cool. Uh, no, I have B.I. slotted MVP too, although I do think it's going to be close between him and Lonzo. Just because, and obviously small sample size, but the Lonzo effect is real. And as we know, Lonzo Ball, I think, plays better when he has better players around him. I mean, he already makes worse players around him better, but just imagine when he has actual capable go- capable guys around him. I think Lonzo, at the end of the day, his nickname should be the Amplifier because I think that's literally what he does to everyone. Um, okay, most improved player for me, I have Brandon Ingram too, <laughs> just because I think he's gonna. He, he already looks more confident. He already sounds more confident. I think, especially with LeBron James, and being able to play off ball with LeBron James should help his efficiency. Um, and I think he's just ready to take charge. Who's your most improved player of the year for the Lakers? Yeah, same for me. Uh, if all goes well. B.I. is going to be that most improved, but Mm. I think Josh Hart comes very close to that um, third guy right there who should be probably, I think, also sixth man. I know I'm jumping jumping the gun, Mm -hmm. but uh, he's going to be that key guy coming off the bench, maybe even starting at some point in the season. But um, yeah, holding down the fort, especially defensively. What's going into your rationale with regards to Josh Hart maybe taking the reins there and wanting to get, or not not that he wants to get most improved player, but making that jump more so than the other guys? Is there anything particular? Well, he's just riding that wave. You know, he's such a great end to the last season and MVP of the uh, Summer mm-hmm. League. I think momentum plays a huge part. Um, but yeah, just seeing him play, it's he's just so grounded. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome to see him be able to absorb contact, finish mm-hmm. in the lane like nothing happened, even though he's getting, you know, mugged yeah. by seven footers. But, um, you know, he takes the hit, takes the fall and, and gets the hoop as well. So I like him a lot coming yep. in this year. No disagreements for me there. And the, another thing playing into his factor outside of the momentum thing is being overlooked and knowing that everybody's talking about B.I., Kuzma, Lonzo Ball and it, it's taken a while for people to also slot him in there with the rest of those three yeah. young cores. So I think he wants to firmly supplant himself with those guys. So uh, getting most improved player would definitely be a step in that direction. All right, this is interesting. Uh, defensive player of the year? I have Lonzo Ball. Okay. What about wow, you? that is interesting. Just because I think he creates so much havoc on the defensive end and even in the in just the limited amount we've been able to see in this preseason, he's the one guy who I think just has the instincts and awareness to when he when he gets steals, he doesn't gamble. He gets smart steals and that leads to transition opportunities. He's a great rebounder. I think he's a great help man getting all those blocks. And I think just in terms of team defense and his added strength in the offseason should help with that respect I think he's a better defensive player than Rajon Rondo obviously that that goes without saying and even with the guys right now over helping maybe even over switching at times I think Lonzo Ball just has innate almost like in the way that he has innate an innate offensive acumen on the other end I think that goes with the defensive end as well he just knows how to play the right way even though he may not necessarily if he's faced up one-on-one against a Damian Lillard he may not be able to you know, always shut him down in that variety. I do think in terms of how team defense is constructed, Lonzo Ball helps amplify that as well. So what about you? Yeah, I'm going to say Josh Hart. So. Mm. Okay. Because uh, you'll see him playing against that superstar two or three 
um, you know, that the league is so loaded with. So <clears throat> I think he, um, he, I think we saw him kind of guarding KD in the preseason, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't do t- too well, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think over, over time he's going to probably get those lessons from LeBron about how to, you know, better play man defense and, um, you know, get your man in front of you. But I think um, just the overall experience he's going to get guarding the best player on the floor every night, uh, or, you know, that wing slot, mm-hmm. um, that'll give him that edge, you know, going in the postseason when, mm-hmm. when he's really going to be counted on to stop uh, our, our favorite PG-13 <laughs> no, I mean, Josh Hart definitely, especially you've seen it in the post, right? Him being able to hold his own position against guys bigger than him. The one thing that he has been a little weak in, I think, has been team defense, off-ball defense, and just kind of getting beat by his man. But I think he'll continue to learn how to better position himself and and uh, in, in that respect because we've seen situations where, like you said, you know, last year against PG, he held his own pretty well in a one-on-one, man-on-man situation. I think it's just uh, expanding his defensive game to all other aspects of defense in a way that I think Lonzo Ball already has... Um, kind of checkmarked that I think will help him become uh, a more fully well-rounded defensive player. But in terms of just his physical attributes and the athleticism he can bring in being able to, you know, you know, 10 seconds left on the shot clock, who do you want to guard the other guy's wing wing player? I would put Josh Hart out there against anybody, you know? So I agree in that respect. Wow, you have Josh Hart in a lot of these categories. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so six men of the year. Um, I already know who you... You already did a spoiler alert. So I'll go I'll go and say a little toss up for me. I have either Kyle Kuzma or mm. Rajan Rondo. Uh-oh. Mm. Just because like we mentioned earlier, I think eventually Lonzo Ball is going to assume his rightful place next to LeBron in the starting lineup and that will leave Rajan Rondo to cause hell for other teams bench units and continue to main not only maintain the pace but even quicken up the pace uh, from the bench where he'll really be able to eat up second units second unit guards second units in general and as we've seen he's been so essential as a floor general to the Lakers this season both on and off the court but especially when he moves to the bench I could really see him just tightening things up and allowing our depth to thrive. Yeah, as the floor general for the bench. So uh, anything to say to that? or And, and then I guess your six-man of the year. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Rondo, obviously, he's going to get his. Um, you know, just the, the veteran leadership being out there. He's played so many seasons already. He's going to be able to find his, you know, lanes and his, his, uh, his shots. But... It would be great to see Kuz as that's, you know, sixth man because preseason he didn't look too great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping, praying, and crossing my fingers that he'll turn it around relatively quickly because uh, we definitely need him. Uh, but yeah, Hart is my sixth man. I think he is, as we've been saying, flying under the radar a lot of the times and uh, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, you know, that all that uh, college experience, I think helps him um, not fall into that sophomore slump. So Mm. consistency overall will lead Hart to be our sixth man. Cool. And you have consistently chosen Josh Hart for the last three awards. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, so with the last one, Rookie of the Year, you know that he's not eligible for this anymore, right, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> so my rookie, rookie of the Year, and I don't know if this even is even going to apply, but I'm hoping and praying that Zvi Mikhailu eventually gets a shot. Uh, he ended his preseason very well. He looked like the Zvi Mikhailu from Summer League that we saw, 22 points, hitting you know, jump shots off the dribble with confidence, even getting some nifty assists. I think he had four assists. Um, I think there will come a time when the Lakers desperately need shooting. And when Luke Walton calls his number, I hope he just goes out there, shakes off the hiccups and the butterflies and just knocks it down like he knows how to do. And I also want Mo Wagner to get a shot because he definitely has a chance with the positional dearth we have at the center spot to, if he wants to, really take advantage of that and show his versatility as a stretch big man who's also very energetic and active. Um, I just think that maybe his injury has set him back too much at this point that, you know, Svi, he just has a more translatable skill in terms of shooting that I think he'll get more of a shot. And when he has more of a shot, um, maybe later down, later on in the season, I think he'll be more likely to capitalize. Um, who's your rookie of the year? Isaac Bonga? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Bonga definitely takes over starting man. Yeah, <laughs> no, of course, Sui is like the only choice, the only option right now. Mo has shown nothing yet, but yeah, Sui. I think he does have a better shot. You know, pun intended, and I think. He will have a lot more opportunities um, coming off the bench, especially with garbage time role. You know, he mm-hmm. can get a little confidence, get a little groove or, uh, you know, routine going on there with his shot. And hopefully Walton will put him in some meaningful games um, and then he can get some experience as well. Cool. Uh, okay. Lastly, community service award. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Michael Beasley. <laughs> Yeah, because he's going to be doling out the the free cannabis, right? I know that's popular right now with the billboards, so Michael Beasley will help in that respect. Um, Okay, so with that said, let's just end our show with our stats predictions for the individual players. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Um, first and foremost, let's start with the King, LeBron James. Uh, last year in 36 minutes, LeBron James averaged 27.99, 1. 1.4 steals, one block on 54% from the field, 37% from three, making 1.8 a game. I mean, those are incredible numbers. For me this year, I have his minutes dipping a little bit because I think they're going to try and preserve his body. Um, I have it going down to 33 minutes a game. So as a general rule of thumb for all of my guys, just because I, I know that the Lakers are playing a lot of small ball this year and I know they're going to be playing at a blistering pace, I naturally have everyone, including LeBron, getting a spike in their rebounds and a slight dip in their assists, if that makes sense. Um, so for LeBron, I think even in three less minutes because of how fast we're going to play and because I think eventually he's going to have to take the reins and carry this team on his back, I think he's going to average 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 7.5 assists. So 
So more points, more rebounds, less assists, but I think the points jump will come from just, I mean, you've seen it in the preseason. He's like got 18 points in a, in one half, you know, with how fast we're playing, he's going to get so many transition buckets that I think he'll easily average 29 points, but also baked into that is the fact that there's going to come a, a point in time in the season where he's just like, okay, nobody's doing anything. I'm going to have to score. So uh, what do you have LeBron James averaging this year? And what's your rationale for that? Pretty similar, a little less than uh, than what you have. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, mm. um, you know, blocking a steal. But, yeah, I think the same thing. You know, pace definitely pushes him. He does probably play less minutes. Um, and at some point, yeah, he's going to have to go on a scoring binge because we're going to hit a wall and we're going to need him. <laughs> Now, why did why is your rebounds up and your assists down as well? Is it because of the the sharing the wealth sort of thing that the Lakers have going on? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you got with Zoe and Doe too many assists, so <laughs> we can't have fifty assists in, you know per game. So naturally, I think with the ball out of LeBron's hands a little more, um, you know, and putting the ball into actual point guard hands. I think his assists go down slightly. But like you said, with all the misses and the pace, rebounds go up. Fair point. All right, moving on to second in command, Mr. B.I., Brandon Ingram, Young Drip King, as LeBron likes to call him. Last year in 33 minutes per game, Brandon Ingram averaged 16.1 points, 5.3 rebounds, 3.9 assists on 47% from the field, 39% from three, 0.8 steals, 0.7 blocks, shot 68% from the foul line. Um, He got to the line about five times a game, only hit around 3.3 for 68%. Um, just for context, last year when I did my predictions, I thought he was going to average 14-5-3, steals on 44% from the field and 35% from three. So he actually exceeded my predictions and got 16-5, almost four assists on 47% from the field, which is really impressive. Um, so this year, I have him averaging one more minute, 34 per game, and I have him getting 20.5 points Ooh. <laughs> 20.5 points hear, hear me out six rebounds 3.5 assists 1.7 steals one block still maintaining 47 percent from the field hitting 35 percent from three so it dips down a little from 39 percent but last year he only hit 0.73s. This year I think he's going to make 1.23s a game. So I think the percentage in terms of field goal, 47% will stay the same because whatever easy high percentage shots he gets from LeBron and being able to benefit from transition buckets and all that, that, that will even out with him taking more three-point attempts as part of his game. So that will naturally, you know, everything will even out. So 47%, and then I think because he's going to take a higher volume of three-point shots, his 39% from three is naturally going to regress. So I have him making more threes, but his percentage dips a little to 35%, which I'm fine with at the end of the day. I just want him to attempt more threes and become a threat on the outside. Um, The one big thing that I'd like to point to as well, though, is I think he'll get to the line about six times a game, which is up from, you know... Uh, the five or so he had last year six or seven times and I think the biggest difference will be that he's going to hit his free throws at a 70 75 percent clip Uh, last year he was 68 percent so I think factoring all of those things that will lead to him getting a four point bump which is a big one but I think the I think the added three point shot 
and uh, more free throws and hitting them at a higher rate will contribute to that. So uh, what, what do you have BI making this year? I'm not as optimistic as you, okay. unfortunately. Um, just giving you the three important ones, points, rebounds, and assists, because uh, I didn't have time to do anything else with <laughs> Nolan fine. on my hands. Um, points, 18. Rebounds, mm-hmm. 5. And assists, 4. Um, I want. I, I would love to see him score 20 and a half points, uh, but I, I think we just spread the ball a little too much, and I don't think he gets that extra two. But it would be great, you know, if we can have two guys averaging 20. I don't know when the last time we had that was, but um, right. yeah, trying to be a little more realistic. <laughs> that's it. That's fair. Um, okay, so Lonzo Ball. Last year in 34 minutes, Lonzo Ball averaged 10.2 points, 6.9 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 1.7 steals, 36% from the field, 30% from three, 45% from the free throw line. Um, You had him in fantasy basketball this year, so you know his stretches very well. Um, His best stretch came in December when he averaged 12-7-7, nailing two threes a game and hitting 37% from three and 42% overall, which is, if he does that this year, I will be ecstatic and overjoyed. Last year, I predicted that he would get 12-6-7 with 1.8 steals and 42% from the field, 32% from three. He didn't end up doing that. He did end up matching that in terms of rebounds and assists, but in terms of the percentages and points, uh, he fell a little short. Um, This year, I have him averaging less minutes, so 28 minutes a game. Um, But again, with with the pace and him having a year under his belt, I think things will balance out in that respect, and he will still average more points. He will get... 13, 8, and 6. 1.8 steals, 1 block, 2.5 threes made a game. Last year, he hit 1.7 threes. I think he's going to shoot a lot better. Uh, His jump shot looks a lot more fluid, and it looks quicker somehow. Um, So yeah, he's going to make 2.5 threes a game. And I think the biggest jump outside of even just the points... Honestly, if he averages 10, 7, 7 again, that's fine. Uh, The biggest jump I want to see is in the field goal percentage and the three-point percentage. And I predict him to have 42% from the field, 36% from three. And I'm going to predict, this is a big prediction, I think he's going to hit 65% of his free throws this year. I think his his shot at mechanics have improved that much that I think he'll settle settle in into the stripe a little bit more this year. So hoping for 65%, and most of all, I hope he gets to the line more than he did last year, which was only 1.4 times. So I predict him going to the line a whopping 2.5 <laughs> times, which is a, a, an, extra, an extra free throw than he had last year with uh, how beefed up his body has become, and maybe he's a little more you know, confident in drawing contact without spazzing out as much, that will lead to more free throw attempts and hopefully makes as well. So 13, 8, 6. What about you for Lonzo? Again, not as optimistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to find one guy who I have more than you. But, uh, Josh Hart. <laughs> probably. Uh, so I got 12 points, 7 boards, 7 assists. So very similar. Just get 2 points more than last year. Um, but yeah, I think... The, the free throw percentage, I'm not as optimistic. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see him hitting 65. That would be, <laughs> that would be great. A 20% jump. Um, but yeah, I feel, I still think he's shooting around 50%. Just, you can't even make him during preseason. I don't, I don't see him making it during regular <laughs> season. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Uh, leveling me out a bit, which is good. 
Uh, Kyle Kuzma, last year, 31 minutes per game, obviously broke out. 16 points, 6.3 rebounds, 1.8 assists on 45% from the field, 36.6% from three, hitting 2.2 a game, 71% from the free throw line. My predictions coming into last season was that he would only average 20 minutes a game, but I still had him going 12-5-2, just because of how microwavy a scorer he is. Um, obviously blew that out of the water. Um, this year, I have have him averaging less minutes just because LeBron, obviously. Um, I have him averaging 28 to 29 minutes, though, still. And uh, this is a bit of a leap and way probably way too optimistic. But I think just because of Kuzma, the, Kuzma's game is very off-ball oriented. He's, one, he's pretty much our best shooter. So I think he has the ability to play the best off of not only Lonzo, but also LeBron. And so I hope he gets more time with LeBron. And I think just the easy buckets he's going to get this year and the more wide-open attempts he's going to get from the three-point line will really help him. So I have him averaging 18 points a game, wow. seven rebounds, 2.5 assists on 47% shooting, which is 2% bump from last year, 38% from three, hitting 2.8 a game. Maybe super optimistic, but I just think with the pace and his style of play next to LeBron, Lonzo, Rondo, that he should, if he stops being so schizo, uh, benefit the most off those guys. Yeah. Okay. Key your word thoughts on he should. Right. <laughs> and those predictions weren't because he's on your fantasy team, right? <laughs> I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. Both okay. apply. <laughs> right. Well, interestingly enough, Kuz is the one guy who I don't have really improving. Um, and, and, you know, I try not to put too much into preseason. You know, we kind of talked about that earlier. Um, but as we discussed, his position out there, he's not confident with it. He doesn't really know his place um, just yet. And I think it still takes some time for him to really adjust to that possible five spots so i have him at 16 points seven rebounds and assists so i think that's pretty much about what he averaged last year mm-hmm. um not really doing much um, as far as going above that but i think spacing is an issue for him he's got to find uh you know ways to play um not just you know kind of holding the ball dribbling and, and uh just popping up those Coos shots, but uh, it would be great to see him have 18. I love that optimism. I uh, just can't really see that right now. And not to add or put more of a wet blanket on this, but we've discussed this before, but can you explain your rationale on, you've told me before that you believe that a lot of the shots Kuzma took his rookie year were not necessarily lucky, but that you don't think that he's going to have such an easy time making those nifty, quirky shots that he made his rookie season. And sadly, I mean, up until this point, not that he has taken as many shots, but the few hook shot attempts you've seen him take in the preseason have not been going in. So does that kind of factor into your thoughts as well? Yeah, you know, I think he's a little more passive with taking those shots. I think playing next to someone like LeBron is kind of cognizant about shot selection. Um yeah, I think he tries a bit too hard. I think he's thinking too much out there. And, uh, you know, the defense at that five spot probably is tiring him out. And on offense, he just doesn't have the energy. Um, so I think his percentage probably takes a hit, too. Gotcha. All right. So moving on and 
try and pick up the pace a little more. Josh Hart, your favorite player. Um, last year in 23 minutes, he averaged 7.9 points, 4.2 rebounds, 1.3 assists on 47% from the field, hitting 39.6% from three, which is amazing, 1.2 a game. His best stretch came after the All-Star break um, when he averaged 33 minutes per game and hit 15 points, seven rebounds, two assists on 47% from the field and 39% from three, hitting 2.2 a game. This year, I have Josh Hart averaging 25 minutes per game, pretty much almost an even split with KCP. Maybe the the roles switch midway through the season, um, but I have him averaging 11.6 rebounds, 1.8 assists on 47% from the field, 40% from three, hitting 2.2 a game. So I just naturally think his percentages are going to stay the same, especially with a guy like LeBron. He, sh- he kind of like Kuzma should also benefit, except unlike Kuzma, I think he maybe knows his role a little more in terms of just being more of a spot-up guy and a, and a finishing type of guy in transition and driving the ball and whatnot. So uh, what do you have uh, Josh Hart averaging averaging this year? Yeah, I have him at 12 points, four rebounds, two assists. I think he does play a lot uh, larger role going down towards the end of the season and probably supplants KCP in that starting spot um, at some point. But yeah. As I've been saying the entire podcast, I'm huge on this Josh Hart guy. He's going to do us some wonders this year. I don't know where this came from. I don't know how big of a Josh Hart fan you were, and I see you every week. Anyways, um, KCP, so his counter counterpart here, uh, last year in 33 minutes, 13-5-2, 42% from the field, 38% from three, which is, I think, a career high for him, 1.4 steals. His best stretch, obviously, was when he was towards the second half of the season when he averaged 14-6-2, and 40% from three, after he was uh, no longer incarcerated and had to do that stuff. This year, I think he's going to average around 24 minutes a game, 11 points, 3 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 41% from the field, 37% from three. I think he'll struggle a bit to see his role diminished and... You know, maybe it's just me, but I've been lower on KCP since he's become a Laker in spite of his blistering hot second half to close last season, mainly because I was super excited when we got him. I thought he had some potential as a young guy, was seemed super athletic, and judging by his stats and the way that he played, you th- you thought that he'd be a shooter. And even though he had the stats to back it up, 38%, as I've mentioned before, I just don't see him as a shooter because every time he misses a shot, He's one of those guys where it's either in or it's way, way off. And so I just don't believe in his shot mechanics and also his shot selection sometimes. I think it's just overall his mechanics and his selection have been overall too shaky for me and always leave a sour taste in my mouth. I mean, he even took one of the worst game-winning shot attempts I've ever seen in my life, pulling up in transition with two guys in his face for an air ball that went wide right and also sent the black mamba home on his double (laughs) double jersey retirement game um but that's enough of my kcp uh hate Uh, i hope he shoots well but yeah i also hope he has a more diminished role this season uh what do you got for kcp yeah we share i mean we always joke about kcp so we share (laughs) the same disdain for him i think he drops to 11 points four boards and and assists um I think we're both kind of hoping that he has a diminished role, <laughs> sadly, um, and hopefully, you know, diminishes into oblivion. Oh, geez. Wow. That was harsh. Uh, but no, we've done KCP his favors. I have, from everything we've heard, he's been a good locker room guy. Um, and LeBron really likes him. You know, that clutch nepotism never fails, I guess. So we've paid him, what, 19 million? No, 
No, more than that. More than that. Th- 31 million over the last two years. So our, our favors to him are over. So hopefully that will give Luke Walton enough license to be like, hey, you're coming off the bench. Uh, with that said, moving on to Rajon Rondo. Obviously, last year with the Pelicans, especially after DeMarcus went down, Rondo took reign of took reign of things with the Pelicans, uh, led them to the fastest pace in the NBA, led their charge against the Blazers, helping Anthony Davis sweep them. By all accounts, he turned into a very effective Rajon Rondo in spite of the fact that maybe he doesn't have the same defensive capabilities he once had. And last year, he averaged 8 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists in 26 minutes. This year, I got Rondo averaging around 20 to 23 minutes, um, giving way to Lonzo eventually. Um, but even in that 23 minutes, like I said, with the pace and him leading the second unit and maybe sometimes even closing, I think he's going to average 6 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. What about you? I got him slightly higher. He's 7 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, yeah, just that that experience factor, I think, still plays plays a huge part and playing in meaningful games you might still get that nod above uh you know zo so we'll see down the line but you know hopefully he does still give us all that you know intangible stuff that comes with him yeah definitely and you're seeing it with all the uh tape sessions and iPad video sessions that they have on the plane and actually on the bench so um okay JaVale McGee Last year with the Warriors in only nine minutes, JaVale averaged 4.8 points, 2.6 rebounds, one block on 62% shooting, which translates to 18, 10, and 3 per 36. (laughs) We know JaVale will not get close to averaging 36 minutes. Um, With that said, this year I do see him having a quite a bit of a bump in terms of the minutes he's been receiving. And Luke Walton has been asked if asthma plays into how much he's going to play JaVale and he doesn't seem to think it's a problem. So I have McGee averaging around 20, 20 minutes a game and getting 10.7 rebounds, two blocks on 65% shooting. I just think he's going to eat off of Le- Rondo, LeBron, and Lonzo passes. And if he's able to maintain his stamina and continues to run the floor well, I think he'll eat even more. Uh, for the Lakers, I think he is the easiest safety valve for them whenever the offense breaks down and nothing's happening. They can just loft it into the air, and you've seen Rondo find him for those types types of plays. And I think Lonzo will especially love playing with JaVale McGee as well. So, And obviously LeBron has had a JaVale McGee type before and Birdman, Birdman. So yeah, what do you have McGee averaging? Yeah, I mean, I'm a McGee fantasy owner. So <laughs> I like your, your stat prediction. For him, but I unfortunately don't have him as high. Um, eight points, four rebounds, and a block and a half. Um, yeah, I... Just can't see. I mean, I kind of looked at his um, historic historical stats with you know all the other teams that he's been playing. He doesn't really average too many rebounds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love to see him have six. I think that's what you said, but four, I think, is probably more realistic. Sadly, yeah, I think that's probably due to the fact that one, he doesn't play enough minutes, but he also is the help guy who blocks most of the shots. So maybe he's not the one necessarily grabbing the ball and usually he likes to spike it into the stands <laughs> too <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah that makes sense uh born ready mr lance stevenson um last year with indiana in 22 minutes nine points 5.2 rebounds 2.9 assists on 43 percent from the field only 28 percent from three 
Um, I also looked at his year with the Clippers, and I'm going to look at that more and bring that up as added reference because he only averaged 15 minutes a game when he played with the Clippers in like 47 games. Uh, In that 15-minute stint, he averaged 5 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1.4 assists on 49% from the field and 40% from three. Even though that was on a low volume of attempts, I think we would all love for that to happen, you know? Um, But so putting those two things together, his last year with Indiana and also his limited minutes here with the Clippers and keeping in mind the pace with which Lakers are going to play and the free reign Lance seemingly has at times out there, which I think Luke Walton is allowing him to, to do. And uh, I have a new nickname for him. It's a, uh, and it's a very obvious one. He's out there freelancing. Like <laughs> freelancing. Yeah. He's a freelancer out there for better or for worse. Um, so this year I have freelancer with uh 12-ish minutes per game, getting six points, three rebounds, two assists on 48% from the field, 38% from three, hitting 0.7 a game. We'll see if that happens and he's more, and he decides to shoot more threes instead of dribbling the ball to hell. Um, But regardless of all the hate this guy seems to garner, I have been pleasantly surprised that he actually brings a new and different dynamic to the team that's necessary, I think, in terms of on-ball creation and even though he's a wild card I think he's a wild card that can break down a defense and create for himself and for others because we know at at a certain point in the season we're going to need that and during a game in Milwaukee when the team's energy is low or maybe not Milwaukee maybe Sacramento team's energy is low nothing is happening you throw Lance Stevenson out there and he does his little and one style stuff and uh, gets the energy going for his teammates and the crowd and also he's just lethal in transition which is uh, what I've been most encouraged about so what do you have Lance Stevenson getting this year yeah I got him at six points four boards and a couple assists yeah same thing I think he's just that you know spark plug kind of guy um, especially when <laughs> we're in Cowtown or, or uh, you know, snowed in in, in Minnesota. <laughs> That's probably when we need that energy on a, you know, 10-day road trip. But other than that, I don't really see him doing too much statistically. Cool. Um, okay, we're almost to the end here. Michael Beasley, last year with the Knicks, at 22 minutes per game. He averaged 13, 5.6, 1.7 on 51% from the field and 39% from three. Granted, that was on a low volume, only hitting half a three a game, but it's amazing how much he was able to do in only 20 minutes. Um, that has not translated so far in the preseason in terms of offensively. I think a lot of that is due to the fact that Michael Beasley has been a little nicked up, so he hasn't had the chance to play as consistently as the other guys and even though on offense he's been a little lackluster I have liked his defense this far I feel like he's been really trying especially as the help man even blocking some shots and being solid in his verticality on offense I don't like how he stops the ball I we we talked about this uh this past weekend but Michael Beasley stops the ball in an entirely different way than Lance Stevenson does on offense it's they're literally the polar opposites of each other where where Lance Stevenson will pound the rock and do little dances Michael Beasley will slow the pace down and hold the ball above his head, face up, pivot three different times in slow motion before deciding to attack. When he decides to attack, he's fast, but fast and smooth. But before that, man, it's uh, it seems like time stops. And like we mentioned, or we mentioned together, Michael Beasley's on that uh, cannabis and Lance Stevenson's on that crack. JaVale oh, yeah. McGee's taking both. <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> it seems like they play that exact way as well. 
And okay, one thing I was encouraged by in the preseason is he's had some pretty nifty passes to guys and helped move the ball around quickly on a couple of possessions. So I think that's been a welcome surprise. And he's mentioned that he really wants to show off his playmaking chops this year. So I would love for that to happen. That said, until the Lakers shore up their big man spot, I think he'll be the Lakers' main backup big, which is why I have him. And maybe this is way too much. I have him, maybe I'll I'll bump it down to like 18 to 20 minutes a game, but until they get a legitimate big man, I think that's the role he's going to play and we'll need him a little more early on than at the end. So I have him averaging 18 to 20 minutes, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 1.5 assists on 50% from the field, 36% from three, hitting about 0.8 a game. I also think he's going to average one block a game. Ooh. Nice. I think that would be a career. High in blocks. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, What about you for for, uh, super cool bees? Uh, yeah, eight points, four boards, and uh, an assist. I don't have, I don't really have a block um, estimation <laughs> for him, but, but uh, yeah, I think his um, size will play a key part, especially in the beginning of the season. Um, you know, while we're waiting to to trade for the brow at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but I like yeah. where your head's at, my friend. <laughs> Um, how many minutes do you have him playing? 15. I don't see him doing too much, um, especially if he doesn't play towards the end of the season. It'll kind of you know, drop Even down. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. So I think that's pretty much it. We have Zvi and Mo Wagner. I don't know if you have stats for them. I Like I mentioned, I hope Zvi eventually gets 10 minutes, maybe towards the latter end of the season. If that happens, I could see him averaging 5 points, 1.5 rebounds, 1 assist, making 1.3 a game on 38% shooting. I don't know if that even factors into anybody, but hopefully that happens. Uh, Mo Wagner, if he eventually sees his role as that third string big man, I could see him averaging five points, three rebounds, one assist, 0.8 steals, because he's an active guy who likes to hustle and dive on the floor and catch loafing big man off guard, and one block. Uh, But the biggest thing for him is if he gets minutes, I think he'll also hit about 0.8 threes a game on 34% from three, which for a stretch big man, I think is pretty good. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Svi and, and Mo. I don't have predictions for them, so I will go with yours. Oh, great. Perfect. Uh, okay, so let's end our show with bold predictions. You kind of teased it. Um, I don't know how bold my prediction necessarily is, but I'm going to say it anyways. Last year, my bold prediction was I thought that some form of Randall, Nance, Zubats, and Jordan Clarkson would be shipped off to the New Orleans Pelicans for DeMarcus Cousins. (laughs) And even though we didn't get DeMarcus Cousins, we did end up shipping off a package of Nance and Jordan Clarkson to the Cavs for what inevitably became Mo Wagner, the first round pick this year, and in a trial period of Isaiah Thomas. So we ended up, we did end up shipping out some of those pieces. Uh, And Randall ended up in New Orleans. You're right. So all those guys are no longer here. So in a roundabout way, kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, Lakers this year, my bold prediction would be that I think they, and this is now that I'm reading, it doesn't sound that bold, but I think the Lakers will trade their 2019 first round pick at the trade deadline, along with Zvi Mikhailu, Mo Wagner, and or salary filler to bring in a more established pseudo starter contributing player for the playoff push. 
I don't know if that's necessarily for someone of the Kawhi caliber, but I do think they will take advantage of their first-round pick at the deadline and leverage it to fortify the team and put us in a better position to contend in the playoffs. I know the last couple of years, what we have been doing is trying to gain first-round picks, but I think with LeBron James now in tow, I think we'll be trying to dangle that to get actual tangible pieces on our roster that will help us also because i think it's uh, it's our most attractive pick coming up because this is the worst we're ever going to be and so there's value to having that first round pick as opposed to a future 2019 or future 2020 pick when teams know we're going to have a second star so i think so because with of that package yeah who do you think Ooh. would be available to us oh man i should have thought more deeply <laughs> about this but let's say Trevor Ariza. Ariza? Oh, right. <laughs> That's off the top of my head, you know, but doesn't that sound kind of like if the Suns are out of it and they're like, all right, yeah. well, let's just get a first round pick and oh, we can get Zvi Mikhailu too. I, I don't know if I would necessarily do that. <laughs> I really like Zvi, but you could see that happening, right? For a I could see team. that happening. Oh so. yeah. Especially if we're right in there, you know, with the playoff push. Yeah. All right. What about you? Bull prediction. So I kind of alluded to it earlier uh, mm-hmm. with my enamor for Zoe's um, new body. Ooh, okay. um, so Tell me more. with his artificial joints now in place, <laughs> Zoe will play 82 games. That is my. Oh, wow. Prediction. Did this did this guy just become Wolverine? He has he had a man. <laughs> well, I think you know he's Luke's probably going to start him off slow. He doesn't play too many minutes um, in the beginning of the season, and of course, you know the added muscle I think helps uh, with the long term status of his health, and he's probably going to be able to go through the entire season, is what I'm saying. I would love for that to happen, and Lonzo Ball, I'm ready for that big baller-type season with his new big baller-type body. (laughs) Um, Yeah, 82 games for Lonzo Ball, you heard it here first. Uh, With that said, Andy, thanks so much for hopping on with us and just allowing me to riff with you so that I don't Lance Stevenson talk myself into death the way that he dribbles the ball. Um, It's been good to have you on. Uh, That's it. The season is here. I'm excited. I'm pumped, ready to root for meaningful games and continue to grow with this team. Give us your outro, how excited you are about the season, et cetera, et cetera. Anything else you want to say? Super excited. Um, I am looking forward, like I said, to getting the brow at some point this (laughs) season. Um, but yeah, I think seventh seed playoffs, we will get past the first two rounds. Oh, and, um, that was going to be my other bold prediction, but it's not as bold as 82 games. You're like pummeling me with all these bold predictions. You're like, Anthony, Anthony Davis is going to be Laker. (laughs) I'm just sneaking them in, you know, last year. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, I think next season will really be the one that every Laker fan has been waiting for for the past 10 years. Awesome. Well, thanks for hopping on with us. I'm not going to take any more of your time. I know it's late for you. Your dad tucked in Nolan. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, Everybody, follow Andy on Try and Find His (laughs) Accounts. Try and find us on YouTube. With that said, Andy Chang, thank you for hopping on. This is the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Yada, yada, you know the drill. The season is here. Isaac Bonga, Dark Horse MVP. Let's go. (laughs)
Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more case. Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.